Praise the Lord, y'all. It's time to get started. Come on, stand to your feet. Anybody feel like praising him? Anybody feel like praising him? Well, simple song says, while I feel like praising, praising him. Oh, I feel like praising
right this morning, oh Heavenly Father, and every right heart on fire, oh Heavenly Father. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your darling son, Jesus. Jesus, all the blessings, son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Try to put it on me, y'all. Y'all see that? <laughs> I won't say a word. <laughs> Amen. At this time, we're going to ask that we have prayer from the pulpit. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad and you should be glad too and rejoice in it because it could have been the other way. Thank God for electricity. There are some folk this morning that don't have electricity. There are some people this morning that have ice and snow all up around their door. But we right here, right now, are blessed to be in this sanctuary with heat and electricity. That's a blessing within itself. I will ask now that you will bow your heads with me. Lord God, we thank you now. Thank you for another day, another chance, another chance to give you the glory and to praise your holy name, for we know you are worthy. Father, we ask that you will have mercy on those who are bereaved this morning. Father, have mercy on those that are sick and shut in. We ask that you will have mercy, Father, on those that are less privileged than we are. But Father God, for we who are here and are able to praise your name, we ask that you will bless everything that we do. Give us your Holy Spirit so that what we do will not be in vain, but that you will bless it and that we will bless your holy name in serving you. We ask that you will bless all churches, not just this church, but every church door that is open this morning in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bless them as well. Help us now to stand firm, to stand firm as Christians as we see that the devil is busy, that crime is on a rampage, that people look like some of them are just losing their minds. Help us to be strong and steadfast, to stand on your word and tell a dying world that sin brings death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, who is our savior. Bless now the pastor as he will come and break the bread of life, that it would not fall on deaf ears, that we would not just be listeners, but that we will be doers of your holy and righteous word. Father, we ask that you would do all these things as we submit them to you and ask them in the name of Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior. Amen. And amen. We're going to ask that we all together in our response to reading followed by the hymn so won't you please stand
and our response to reading. Be patient. We, we have some new blood. There we go. May we all read together. In that say that one more time with a little bit more uh. In that Amen. I have a hymn simply to say this morning, oh how I love Jesus. I know that you love him, don't you? I don't know about you, but I certainly so let's sing like we love him, okay? One more time. Oh, everybody.
hand. The Lord deserved a hand there, but you, you did a wonderful job. You did a wonderful, you did a wonderful job of singing. We thank God that we are able to be here. This time now, we're going to just pause for just a few minutes to give you some announcements, and we ask you to just don't forget those whom we are to share with this morning. We ask that you please uh, continue to pray for the Lavelle family. As most of you know, uh, she was laid to rest on yesterday, and we ask that you continue to pray for that family. You may also uh, check your books, and there are some other sick and shut-in members. We ask you to please pray for them as well. Our own brother Gross, I understand, is doing well. Uh, so we ask that you to continue to pray for Brother Graham, and I know he will appreciate that, and I know he will feel your prayers. Um, we were asked today, I guess I'll just say that do, do not take the flowers that you see on either side. That is a special program this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Uh, most of all furnished by this lady, these people that you see in front of you. So we ask you, please don't take the, the flowers uh, when you leave. Um, I understand that the, the Hines County Black Legislative Breakfast will be in the morning at 7 o'clock, and we're all invited to go and share and participate. Amen. We also have a note says that to the K Chapel family, there are not enough words to fully express our heartfelt thanks for the sympathy, prayers, flowers, and support that was extended to our family during the loss of our brother Robert Turner. Please continue to pray for us as we continue to heal and move forward. This is from Love, um, uh, Mrs. Clara Turner Ford and Brenda Turner Coffee. We have another thank you note here that simply says, the best blessing in life are people like you. So far, all you do and for all that you are, we thank you. And this is from the Warner family. And we're going to pause right now and get some additional announcements from the media. Media. Good morning, Kay Chapel. Join us today at 3 p.m. in the sanctuary as the Voices of Love presents a King's Dream 2019. Attention girls ages 8 through 12, be sure to mark your calendars for Saturday, February the 16th for a mother-daughter date. Join us from 10 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. for fun, fellowship, and good food. This event is being sponsored by the K Chapel Deaconess. Stay tuned for more information. Today's sanctuary flowers have been donated by the Voices of Love in celebration of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated Founders Day and in honor of the Martin Luther King holiday. Please allow the sanctuary flowers to remain after the 11 o'clock service for the King's Dream program this afternoon. We invite you to celebrate our 10th year anniversary, the Walton Book Drive, Join us by making your donation as we strive to give each student at Walton three books this year on the last day of school, two from the summer reading required list and one book that was written by a black author. We are asking for a donation of at least $20 and you simply need to place that donation in the envelope and write Walton books on the outside. The K Chapel Deaconess Ministry is planning a father-daughter morning for girls ages 13 through 18. Join us on March the 2nd for a whole lot of fun hanging out with your dad. For more information and to sign up, just text the keyword me and dad to 70000. Again, text the keyword me and dad to 70000. Space is limited, so be sure to sign up today. And please be sure to check your bulletins and the bulletin boards for additional announcements and upcoming community events. And to share your ministry news with the K Chapel family, 
just send an email to kchapelannouncements at yahoo.com or you can go to the submit info tab on the kchapel app but be sure to get your announcements in by noon on tuesday of each week Amen. We thank uh, thank you so much for the announcements. We do have some that are ready for the right hand of fellowship. And let me, and of course, we're going to recognize our visitors, but for those of you who are about to uh, get uh, your right hand, uh, Ricky Wilson and Ruth Wilson, would you come on down right now? And we're going to ask at this time, yeah, we're going to ask also all of our visitors. Listen, if you're not yet a member of this congregation, we're going to ask you to please stand. Visitors, please stand. Let us thank you for coming and invite you back. All visitors, please stand up. Visitors, we want you to know on behalf of our, our pastor and the entire membership at K Chapel, we're just so happy to have you. If you're just visiting, please come in the time you're scheduled live. But if by chance you're looking for a church home, before you leave today, we're going to try to convince you that you just found a home. And while you're standing, we want you to remain so because we're going to give you something you can only get here at K Chapel Mission at Baptist Church.
church adds to its membership when the Lord blessed us to do so. And we thank God for those who just took the right hand of fellowship. Amen. God bless you. This time now, we're going to pause for a time in our service where we all again can participate. I'd like to remind that during the early morning service, we only do one offering, and we're going to ask you to prepare to give and at the same time receive the spoken word from the pulpit. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work, which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. This is for the, this is the word of God, for the people of God. Praise, honor, and glory be to God. Amen. Usher was give us all a chance to participate now, so we ask you to do that. And this choir is going to give us the message and song. This is our offering for the morning. We ask that you again give if you've not done so already, as you have been so blessed.
so much for your gifts this morning. We're going to ask the choir if they would give us one final lesson just prior to the message for the morning.
what good news this morning. Uh, we serve a God who is able to fix what is broken, to mend what is fragmented, to restore what has been shattered. He's still putting things back together again. Whatever's broken in your life, God can put it back. And if you trust him, <clears throat> and if you wait on him, somebody's a witness this morning. He's still in the restoring business. Hallelujah. He's still fixing things. I want to invite your attention to John's Gospel, John chapter number 15. I want to begin reading at verse number 12. John 15, verse number 12. There you will find these words. Recorded, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk this morning about a love revolution, a love revolution. You cannot be a serious follower of Christ and get around his teachings on love. It is impossible not to be confronted with the revolutionary understanding and commandments that Jesus gave to those who would dare to follow him or to not be exposed to his expectations concerning our willingness and ability to love. Jesus commanded Y'all work with that over here for just a minute. Whatever's hissing up there that's messing with me, y'all get it right for me. Jesus commanded those who would be his disciples to be a part of a love revolution. And by love revolution, I mean to do life so radically different, to engage others, thank you, so demonstrably different, to relate to the world so completely different that a new reality of humanity is created. That's a love revolution. When a new system of life replaces our old ways. When new wine is placed 
into new wineskins of brotherhood and sisterhood when new values and a new ethic confronts what currently causes us to separate ourselves from one another, that's when love will have caused a revolution of our minds and our hearts. I dare say that a revolution is needed because when you look at all that is born through the unregenerate heart of humanity, it is clear why Jesus thought so much of the power of love. Out of man's heart emerges divisions, envy, jealousy, strife. Contentions, all of which lead to brokenness, bitterness, and a general abandonment of that which is good and right. And, and so Jesus comes along and says, if we are to live in the fullness of God's intentions regarding humanity, we, we've got to do life differently from how the world has taught us. But we must live and live in and live by the precepts of love. If you're like me, you've been concerned about the state of affairs in our city. Most recent rash of violence this week has caused most of us to be a bit more uncomfortable, a bit more cautious, and perhaps even become a bit more callous in how we relate to one another. It's unthinkable that in seven days, 10 people could be murdered inside of our city and that such heinous violence could sweep through our neighborhoods with reckless abandon. While there are any numbers of factors that could and should be considered about violence and how it spreads in and through our communities, while we can look at all of the research and data and, and make appropriate connections between poverty and crime, while we can explain the social disparities that contribute to the breakdown of the family and the delinquency of the adolescents, there is at the core this unchanging and unrelenting command to love. Because say what you will, if you love me, you ain't going to hurt me. If you love me, you can't harm me. If you love me, I cannot disregard your feelings or disrespect your humanity. If I love you, I cannot destroy your life or desecrate your God image. If I love you, I cannot discredit your thoughts or discount your rights. If I love you. If I love you, I cannot ignore your needs or overlook your conditions if I love you, which is why the command to love is so powerful because it causes us to confront what we would otherwise ignore. Love demands that we pay attention to what we would otherwise overlook. Love requires that we see each other. Love demands that we hear each other. Love necessitates that we relate to one another in real, meaningful, and authentic ways. This is why at the core of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s nonviolent movement was the ever-present command to love. This is why he took every opportunity to insert Jesus' teachings on love because he understood that the kind of change needed in America was not just man's laws, but man's nature. 
he understood that changing policies meant little if man's posture with each other remained one of superior and the other of inferior status. And he also knew that love had to fuel a movement of this sort for to do so, for do, to do so with any other force would disqualify its outcome as being truly transformative. So he said, and I quote, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Love is the only force capable of changing an enemy into a friend. Certainly this is the most challenging part of a love revolution. To love an enemy. To love an enemy. Jesus knows that it's a challenge and he begins one of his teachings on love when he says, you've heard it said to love your neighbors and to hate your enemies. He said, but, but, but I've come to tell you there's another way. He says, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. That's a love revolution. Because he knew that if there was going to be any transformation to occur, it would have to happen through love. If people were ever going to get past their differences, it would have to happen through love. If hatred were, would ever stop ending with violence and murders, it would have to happen through love. And teaching people to love is revolutionary. Love. Your enemies. That's revolutionary. It's the exact opposite of what they had come to know and what they had come to expect and what they had come to express between each other. But keep reading the text. Jesus continues to explain why love, why the love that he is teaching is so revolutionary. He says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not the tax collectors practice the same thing? And if you salute your brethren only, what, what have you done that is extraordinary? Do not the tax collectors practice the same thing? In other words, Jesus is saying, loving those who love you ain't no big thing. Helping those who help you is no great example of Christ living inside of you. Blessing those who bless you is no proof of your faith. He says, even evil people know how to be good to folk who are good to them. But what, 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 what makes us different is when we help somebody who's hurting us. That makes you different. When, when you bless somebody who's backstabbing you, that makes you different. When, when you pull somebody up who's pulling you down, that's what makes you different. That's revolutionary kind of love. That's the kind of love that shifts relationships, the kind of love that changes hearts, the kind of love that makes friends out of enemies. Perhaps the most outstanding example of loving your enemies is that God demonstrated that very kind of love toward us. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, while we were the enemies of God, that Christ died 
for us. Jesus took upon himself our sins as well as the sins of the whole world when he was crucified and died on that Passover day. For when we were without strength, the Bible says in Romans 5 and 6, at the appointed time Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, although perhaps someone might have the courage even to die for a good man. But God commends his own love to us because when we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Much more, therefore, having been justified now by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his own son, much more than having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Apostle Paul was perhaps the most prominent example of this. And, and Paul understood what it meant to be loved in such a way that it was revolutionary. For Paul says, I am the chiefest of sinners. I, I don't even deserve to be numbered among the apostles. And yet with everything I've done against Christ, against his kingdom, and against the church. He loved me enough to give me another chance. That, that's a revolutionary kind of love. When, when you know you've been an enemy against God and God says, I'm going to give you another chance. The next revolutionary commandment of love is Jesus' commandment to love secondly Love the brethren. Jesus gave this commandment, which he called a new commandment, because it reflects his own personal love for us and his personal love for God the Father. You remember it was the Passover. The disciples and Jesus had gathered to eat the Passover meal. When they had finished eating, Jesus got up from the table, girded himself with a towel, and began to wash their feet. One by one, he went around the table, bent down, and washed their feet. He didn't skip over anybody. He washed their feet. Dusty, smelly, muddy, ashy. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. Calloused, hard, crusty. Because they didn't have spas back then, y'all. They, they just had to deal with what they deal with. He washed their feet. Some initially protested against Jesus washing their feet, which is interesting in itself because while Peter was protesting that Jesus shouldn't be doing it, nobody else was. Jesus, don't you do it? Well, who's going to do it? Y'all not move. It's 12 of y'all around the table, and nobody's moving. Remember, it was the custom that up to that point had not been observed. Everybody was looking around wondering where was the designated foot washer. But rather than waiting any longer, Jesus takes the responsibility upon himself. When a disciple said, Lord, you're the master, we're the servants. You should be 
sitting and we should be washing your feet, not this way around. But it is in this act of humility that Jesus teaches what real leadership and what real love look like. In essence, he says to them, I know I'm the master and I know that you're the servants. But in this love revolution, it's a shift. The paradox is turned upon its head. In this love revolution, the master came to serve rather than to be served. In this love revolution, if you are too big to serve, then you are too small to lead. In this love revolution, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another in the same way that I have loved you. That's how you ought to love each other. Loving each other then. It's what Jesus teaches us to do. Listen, and there are no excuses for you not loving each other. There's no excuses. Say amen, voices. There's no excuses for us not loving each other. Look at your neighbor and say, I ought to love you. All too, all too, all too, all too. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. There, there's no excuse. There's no excuse for any of us not to love each other. I wish I had a witness in this house. You want to go around and changing the whole world for the Lord? Start by changing your pew. You sit on one side and they sit on the other. You talking about being a world changer and it's stuff right here you need to get right. You want to go to the nations and preach. Start right here with how you treat one another. Do I have a witness in here? In this body, in this church, in this fellowship, in this faith, in this pulpit, in this choir, in these pews, we are charged to love one another. Not if you feel like it, not if they don't get on your nerves, not if they do right by you, not if they don't offend you. There are no conditions on your loving your neighbor. Love one another. I don't care what they did. He didn't say stop loving them. Still love them. Love them until they act right. Love them until they act like they know the Lord. Love them until the hell is out of them. Love them, love them until there's some godliness in them. Love them until they change. And stop giving up on people. God didn't give up on you. Keep loving them. Keep loving them. I'm talking to somebody. Keep loving them. Keep loving them. You can sing God restores. How about it starting with you? You can sing God restores. How about it starting with broken relationships and broken friendships and repairing that which has been broken? God restores. Be proof. Be evidence of it. Jesus said by this people will know that you are my disciples, not by how much you go to church, not by how much you give, not by how many songs you sing, but by how you love. Without question. Final two commandments of Christ on love are called the greatest commandments. In fact, everything else in the law of God 
is resting and relying on the two that I'm about to give you. Bible says one day when one of the Jewish leaders, a doctor, a doctor of the law, came to him, tempting him by asking him the question, saying, Master, which commandment is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, you should love the Lord your God. Y'all know that. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. Jesus says that love starts, first of all, with the love of God. Before anything else, love God. Before anybody else, love God. This means putting your affection, your adoration, and your loyalty for God before everything else. And you can't claim that God is first when your treasure is somewhere else. You cannot claim that God is first when your calendar says something else. You cannot claim that God is first when you put everything before him and give him whatever is left over. A love revolution means that I so reorganize and so reprioritize my life that God and the things of God outrank everything else. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. And all your mind. And Jesus says that's the first and the greatest commandment. But then he follows it up with this last point. He follows it up. He says the next one is this. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. He said love God. And then after you get that right, love your neighbor. Now this smart alecky lawyer looked at him and tried to trip him up he said well who is my neighbor who is my neighbor who, who exactly are you talking about are you, are you talking about the Jews are you talking about the Jewish Palestines are you talking about the Samaritans you know they're half breeds who is my neighbor who should I consider to be my neighbor, some in this country have reduced this question to make it more nationalistic. Who is American? Who has the right to be here? Who is my neighbor? Where, where do we build the wall to signify who we are and who they are? Jesus tears down all of this telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm finishing right here, he, but y'all know the parable. He, he, says, he says there was a man Traveling Jericho Road. I'm, I'm going to do a loose translation. His name was Bubba, y'all. <laughs> Bubba, Bubba was walking down, walking down the road, going to Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> While he was walking down the road, headed to Piggly Wiggly, band of robbers jumped out of the bushes and robbed old Bubba. Beat him up pretty bad. Bubba was bruised and bludgeoned. They robbed him and they left Bubba for dead. Bubba was laying on the side of the road and preacher First Baptist started walking down the road. Bubba said, I know I'm all right now. My preacher is coming to see about me. But the preacher First Baptist kept on walking. Deacon at First Baptist came right down the same road. Bubba said, I know Deacon is going to see about me. Deacon at First Baptist kept right on walking. Then Jose came walking down the road. 
Hosea was headed to Walmart. Jose looked and said, Yo, Holmes. What happened? Jose picked him up and started to bandage him. Took him on to the comfort inn and laid him there and said, I'll be back. I got to go and pick strawberries in the field. But I'll come back. And he went to the manager and said, Whatever, whatever Bubba needs, I'll be back. Bubba started to get his strength, started to order room service, Netflix, started running up a tab. You know Bubba will do that. Started to get his strength back and started running up the tab. And, and Jose came back and the manager presented him with the bill. And Jose said, well, I told him I was good for it. I'm going to pay the bill. Jesus finished that parable and looked at the man and said, now you tell me who was the neighbor. You tell me who was the neighbor. Was, was, it the, was it the one, the one, the preacher at First Baptist who Bubba knew? Was it the deacon at First Baptist who Bubba knew? Or was it Jose? And Jesus says this to us. Says this to us. That if we're going to really be his followers and really be his disciples, that we cannot hold on to our narrow definitions of people. We can't just group people and decide I'm going to be with them and I ain't going to fool with them. He says, no, 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 no. Your neighbor is more than the ones who share your skin color. Your neighbor are more than the ones who share your zip code. Your neighbor are more than the ones that you grew up with and went to school with. Your neighbors are part of the human condition. My brothers and my sisters, the power of love is an incredible force that can eradicate hate, can end violence, can constrain evil. Perhaps this is why Jesus is so persistent in preaching and teaching about love. He knows that if done right, love can push back the vestiges of hate. The love revolution, my brothers and sisters, ultimately will require me to put down my prejudices that keep me from getting to know people. A love revolution will require that I let go of my assumptions that keep me from accepting people. A love revolution means that I must release my resentments that keep me from forgiving people. A love revolution means that I must give up my privileges that keep me from being fair with people. A love revolution means that I've got to turn in my stereotypes that keep me from understanding people. A love revolution means that I've got to hang up my hang-ups that keep me from helping people. A love revolution means that I must be willing to pour out who I am and let Christ pour himself into me. Because when his mind becomes my mind, I see people as people. 
not as types, not as clans, not as groups, not even as cliques. But I see people as the image bearers of God. God has put his fingerprint on everybody. And he says of us, I wonder if there's enough Christ in you to love who I created. Is there enough God in you to, to forgive who I've already forgiven? Is there enough Holy Ghost in you? You know, we'll shout about having the Holy Ghost. Oh, I got it. even got a second dip. You've been dipped enough that you can forget the past or do you need a third dip? Have you been filled enough that you can let go and once and for all let God? That's your challenge this morning. You, you who have been refusing, watch this, to love unconditionally. With open arms, with open hands, with open minds and open hearts. You who have been holding on to transgressions. And legitimately so in the sense that, that you were really hurt by what the person did. But even that does not excuse you from loving the individual. And your challenge this morning is a love revolution. A love revolution. I need you. You need me. We're all apart. Stand with me. Stand with me. Agree with me. The doors of the church are open. You can come by letter by Christian experiences a candidate for baptism. It is his will. Hallelujah. Every knee. Hallelujah. Bless his name. You are important to me. Yes. I need you. I need you. I need you. There's somebody else here. Won't you come? Won't you come now? Let the love of Christ be born again in your heart. Born afresh in your heart. I need you to survive. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's restoring this morning. I need you. You need me. <laughs> We're all apart. Hallelujah. I wonder if you stand with me. Wonder if you'll agree with me. We're all apart. Hallelujah. Bless his name. It is his will. Yes. At every need, every need. Won't you come? Won't you come? You are important. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
somebody needs to be restored this morning. I dare you to go to that person and tell that person, look him in the eyes, tell him, I need you. Tell him, you need me. We've been fighting too long. It's all apart. We're all a part of God's body. Right now, today, won't you stand with me? Come on and agree with me. Yes, we're all apart. Can't keep doing this. It is his will. Hallelujah. Every need, every need, every need. You are important to I need you. Oh, yes, oh, yeah. You are, you are. I need you. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. I won't. Harm you with words from my mouth. I love, I need you. I pray for you. Now you pray for me. Oh, I love you. And I need you. And I won't harm you. Words from my mouth said, I love you. And I need you. Yeah. I pray for you. You pray for me. Said I love you. And I need you. And I won't harm you. Words from my mouth. Said I love you. Come on, y'all. And I need you. Yeah. I pray for you. You pray for me. Said I love you and I need you and I won't harm you. Words from my mouth said I love you. Oh, I need you. I pray for you. You pray for me. Said I love you. Oh, I need you. I won't harm you. Words from my mouth. Oh, I love you. Oh, I need you. Bless his name. And in this day and age, every time we have a young man coming up, we ought to raise the roof with celebrations of God. <laughs> Brother Mangum, I was trained that when someone comes to baptism, we, we have a word of prayer. Is that all right with you? I ask that you repeat after me. Ready? Dear God. Dear God. I come. I come. As a sinner. As a sinner. But now I know. 
But now I know that you died for me. That you died for me. And was raised by God. And was raised by God. With all power. With all power. In his name. And because. And because. I confess with my mouth. I confess with my mouth. And believe in my heart. And believe in my heart. I am now saved. I am now yeah. saved. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So we Hallelujah. ask that you go with this. Yeah. For your, I love you. Hallelujah. Orientation class. Oh, bless his name. Oh, bless his name. We also have restoration this morning with Brother Greenville. Greenville, who's coming. Greenfield. Brother Greenfield, let me get it right. Brother Greenfield to uh, restore his membership. Yeah, yeah. So we thank you this morning for showing how God restores. And so now as coming back, we ask that uh, after your orientation that you'll study with us, that you'll be with us, and serve with us. Church, welcome back, our brother, Brother Greenfield. We ask now that you go with the system for your orientation. God restores. And we have Hallelujah. a testimony on this side. Who, who has the testimony? There we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, church, um, my journey started when um, Pastor Buckley did a sermon about how to forgive what you can't forget. Oh, Lord. And Tita Williams have been trying over the last five years to get me to reconnect with my aunt. And I wasn't having it. And she and I almost fell out about that. So Reverend Buckley kept preaching and kept preaching. And he kept coming to my door. He kept parking in my driveway. And I got tired of his message. So finally, he got at my kitchen table with this sermon. And today, he got in my soul. But I do have a positive testimony. I ran into my aunt by accident. And before I can turn to go the other way, she grabbed me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And she yeah. hugged me, but I didn't hug her back. Mm. I didn't open my mouth. Mm. And she said, I know you don't forgive me. I know you're mad mm. at me, but I love you. My God. <sighs> my God. I ran into her again. My God. And when I saw her in the condition that she was in, it was hard for me to hold malice against her. So, yes, Pastor, I've been down to the well about 10 or 12 times for another dip. And if anybody knows me that when somebody hurts me, it's hard to just let go and let God. But on the third time I ran into her, I've not, this has been going on since 2004. This is how long I've held this. And by the next time I saw her, it was hard not to hug her back. And when I finally hugged her, I cried so hard. And I told her, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And Kate Chapel, y'all don't realize how free I feel. How free I feel. I didn't realize how heavy that was weighting. It wasn't just a weight. It wasn't just a weight, but it was the weight of the guilt and the the the, the hurt. The hatred, when you hold on to something like that, you don't realize how it weighs you down until you let it go. 
So these are tears of joy. And my mom, she's such a, a hard, strong person. She doesn't cry for anything. But when she found out that she, my aunt and I were talking again, she just walked away and she was crying because she said, finally, finally, Rhonda, finally, you, you, you're able to forgive her. Amen. So I pray that our relationship strengthens because I have not spoken a word to her since 2004. Mm. And people want to know where I get my voice from. This aunt, y'all think Carolyn? Carolyn, she sings opera. She is gifted. And she plays. I forgot about that. Yeah. So I just asked the church for prayer. And thank you, Reverend Buckley. I really got tired of you. I really did. I'm not really tired. that everyone gathers together, everyone else here is here for prayer. Church, touch your neighbor. Dear God, we come now thanking you for a powerful message. A message that we needed to hear a reminder of what you've been teaching us through your word, through your actions, and through your spirit that we need love. Not only do we need love, we need to love. Dear God, we thank you for the testimonies this morning of how you restore. How you restore us when we were lost in the world how you restore us when we walk away from our church family. Dear God, and how that you restore us even when we're mad with you and mad with each other. Your love is powerful. And dear God, we thank you for the demonstration this morning. Dear God, we also have a family here who is calling upon you to wrap your arms around them and traveling grace. Dear God, we ask that you protect them. We ask that you guide them. We ask that you love them. And now, dear God, we ask that the words that we've heard this morning, we ask that they penetrate deep into our hearts and transform us into new creatures that when we depart from this place, we go out and make a difference in our communities, our families, and the world around us. Now, dear God, we know that we've asked a great deal, but we know that we serve a great God. And we ask that you hear this prayer that's uttered in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let every heart in the building say amen. 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 God restores. Hallelujah. So can somebody just praise God this morning? Somebody bless the name of the Lord that he's still restoring. He's still restoring. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, as we prepare to go down from this place, let me, let me just take one moment. On last night, I was privileged to, to speak for the uh, Hines County Sheriff's Department uh, Awards Banquet. 
one of our own uh, received an award on last night. I want to acknowledge him as Deputy of the Year for Hines County Sheriff's Department, our own brother uh, Steve Collins. Steve Collins, Deputy of the Year. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. We thank God for that. Amen. 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 So y'all see him, give him a great big congratulations. Amen. Won't you stand? Won't you stand? Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go in peace.